Food is fuel for your body, your mind, and definitely your sport. But let's face it, nutrition is confusing and the expectations on girls and women to be thin and have a six pack are exhausting. If you've ever been frustrated with your body, confused about nutrition, obsessed with eating healthy or guilty when you don't, underate, overate, or overtrained and overwhelmed with all the pressure, then this podcast is for you. Nutrition can be easy. You can take control of it, but it might start with letting go of control by asking for help and making a change. I'm Lindsay Elizabeth Cortez, sports dietitian and owner of Rise Up Nutrition, where I empower female athletes to overcome nutrition concerns and perform at their highest level, to stop being confused by all the mixed or harmful messages, and finally have confidence in your body as a fierce, fit, and fueled female athlete. All right, fans, huge, huge announcement to make today and for the next couple of weeks. I'm so excited. You see, I'm not trying to toot my own horn too, too much, but I freaking love this podcast and I think it's great. I hope you do too. And that's why you're listening. And we're obviously doing something right because we have been growing our listeners and fan base steadily for two years now. And I have pretty solid loyal following. But one thing is it's sort of niched, right? We are niched onto a very specific, special topic of fueling female athletes. So we are small, but we are mighty in our mission. And because of that, we wanted to create a special place for our fans of female athlete nutrition who are looking for more within this much needed space. People who are looking for community, support, connection, more resources. I cannot tell you how many listeners reach out and tell me that this podcast is so needed. And yet you are all listening alone, but you're not alone, which is why we are launching the Female Athlete Nutrition Patreon. As of right now, the Patreon is live. We are going to be promoting it heavily now through early March to get our first founding members. So if you already know you're in, if you love the idea of a Female Athlete Nutrition membership, then head to patreon.com or the Patreon app, search Female Athlete Nutrition, and boom, you are in. But if you don't know what the heck I'm talking about, maybe you're unfamiliar with Patreon or unsure if a membership could be useful to you, then I'm going to take the next 90 seconds of your time to simply tell you what Patreon is. And later on, before the end of this episode, I'll tell you more details about the perks of what you get for being part of our membership. So first, what is Patreon? Patreon is mostly a membership platform and a way to support creators. You can create a free account at patreon.com or download their free app. From there, you can become a member to various different communities or support various different creators. We, Female Athlete Nutrition, are on there. To become a member, we have two different membership options, a donation category and a fiercely fueled community membership category. If you are into the idea of a membership, the idea of community, conversations, connections, more access to me and Rise Up Nutrition resources, great. I will be telling you more details about the membership and exactly what you get later on in this episode. Alternatively, if you're not into the community or membership thing, but just appreciate what we do here through the podcast, then Patreon allows you to simply make a monthly donation to support our mission. It's a nice way for you to say thank you to the creators of free podcasts and content that you're already benefiting from literally just $1 a month or $12 a year. And we would be so grateful to you for supporting us financially so we may spread the mission of female athlete nutrition. So that's what Patreon is and why we are using the platform to form the membership 
and keep the mission going. Now, I don't want to delay the episode, which is why you were all here, so I will get to it now. But stay tuned because I will be telling you more details about what's included in the membership later in this episode, as well as in the show notes. Or you can just head to patreon.com slash female athlete nutrition and check it out for yourself. Hello, fans and listeners. Lindsay Elizabeth Cortez, your host of the podcast, sports dietitian, owner of Rise of Nutrition. I'm here with Leanne Pissarro. She's the chief operating officer at The Hidden Opponent, a nonprofit and advocacy group that raises awareness for student athlete mental health and combats the stigma of mental health within sports culture. The Hidden Opponent was first supported by NBA legend Kobe Bryant and has now been in operation for just over three years. The organization aims to educate on mental health topics, advocate for the unique needs of student athletes, and support those who are currently struggling. Leanne is a former collegiate athlete and is now a full-time high school teacher and coach and has combined these many passions into one career. Leanne, thanks so much for joining. Thanks so much for having me, Lindsay. I'm really excited to chat today. Me too. We just spent 15 minutes chatting off air and clicking and bonding so much. I was like, I got to hit record and capture this. I'm so excited to talk to you. And we can start like a lot of different places, but considering that you are the chief operating officer at The Hidden Opponent, I'd love for you to just share a little bit so that we can then get into some details, but like, what is The Hidden Opponent and its mission and the work that you do there? Yeah, The Hidden Opponent is my incredible nonprofit that I share with my co-partner, Victoria Garrick-Brown. Victoria founded it in 2019 after she kind of blew up on the internet after giving a TED Talk while she was a student athlete at USC in California. And her TED Talk was titled The Hidden Opponent. And she really just intended for that to be a TED Talk that she got selected to do and she was excited to do it. And she ended up giving it on student athlete mental health. But that TED Talk ended up blowing up on the internet. And I think it has about a million, half a million views on YouTube. So it's still used today as a really great resource, really the prime resource of student athlete mental health. And it's funny because Victoria and I are now, you know, years older and wiser, and we still get DMs or messages about that TED Talk. And it's still a great resource. So definitely check it out. But We've now created this really amazing community and nonprofit from that TED Talk that Victoria gave all the way back in 2017. And our nonprofit is now in its third year of operation. We've been super fortunate for some incredible growth. We've built a really great community of student athletes, coaches, parents, sports fans, high school students who just care deeply about physical and mental well-being going hand in hand. And we found ways to kind of create some programming around it that allows us to really enact change, not just talk about it, but create some tangible change. So it's been, it's been a really great journey and I'm really proud of where we've, where we've been and where we're going. Yeah. And how did you, so it kind of started with Victoria's TED talk. So how did you meet Victoria or kind of get involved yourself? Yeah. So Victoria gave that TED talk in 2017 in October of 2019, she founded the nonprofit And then right around the start of the pandemic in March of 2020, she was looking for some additional support with the nonprofit because it had grown so much in just those few months. And so we actually met through a mutual LinkedIn connection. I had already been doing some work in this space, mostly just writing and advocating on my own social media platforms because it's stuff that I cared about deeply. And we kind of just hit it off from the start. And I was really fortunate to be thrown into her orbit. I think, you know, some greater power has kind of pushed us together and 
here we are kind of taken, taken it by storm now. So it was, it's a really weird way that it all happened, but super grateful for it. Yeah, I know. It's awesome. I mean, I did the same thing with my dietitian, Jenna, that works with me too. It's like, well, I put out a job posting, you know, it's, it was a more formal thing in the beginning, but it's just when you're looking for that right fit, it's about their qualifications and the past work and all that. But it's also just like, who gets this? Who has a passion for it? Who understands it? And so you obviously do. And I'd love to dive into maybe your story a little bit of, you know, why you're passionate about mental health for athletes and student athletes. So, I mean, you were a college athlete, a high school athlete, college athlete. Now you're a coach. So, you know, you're still an athlete. Tell us a little bit about your athletic journey. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for asking. I played super competitive club soccer growing up in New Jersey, which is a state that is known for its soccer greats and its competitive soccer at a, at a youth level. And I was super fortunate in that my athletic journey was fully driven by me, not by my parents or anyone like that. I was always kind of just driven to succeed in that. And so were my friends. So that was kind of set early on, even though I played all the sports growing up and I loved, I don't even know if soccer was my favorite sport growing up. It was probably just the one that I saw the easiest road to college with, but I loved playing yeah. every sport growing up. And I started playing competitive soccer pretty early on. And that kind of led to, you know, college prospects and whatnot. And I decided to play division three soccer so that I could continue my academic aspirations at a high academic liberal arts school. And college soccer was not hard in the ways that it is for a lot of people. I, I was definitely well prepared soccer wise, but I was not prepared mentally for what was to come with the environment of college soccer. And most of that revolved around a pretty toxic relationship that I had with my college coach. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it's still something that sticks with me today and kind of divides uh, teammates along different party lines, so to speak, mm. as to how we reacted to our college coaching experience. But, you know, college soccer still was a really great experience in that, you know, I was able to be a college athlete. I was able to see that side of, of the game. I was able to learn a lot about myself through even through the hard times. I was learn, able to learn a lot about how the world works and how people work together or don't. And, you know, what makes a good team, what makes a good coach, what makes a good teammate. So despite the hardship, I will say, you know, I am now a couple of years removed, grateful for the experience. And now as a coach, I get to use those lessons every day. So that's probably the most rewarding part of it. And I do see yeah. my coaching as an extension of my own athletic career. I get just as excited about the wins. I get just as excited about, you know, when a player makes a great play or a great, you know, progress in, in their development. Yeah. So it's been great to kind of give back in that way and also kind of heal myself through coaching. And it's funny, the sport that I love coaching the most now is, is lacrosse, which I did have a brief stint on our college lacrosse team as well. when um their team had a couple injuries and they needed some extra bodies. So I think lacrosse has been a really healing avenue for me. The indigenous peoples of America called it the medicine game. And I love that analogy because it's been real medicine for me in healing um, from my tough athletic parts of, of my soccer journey. I want to dig into that more, but you just reminded me of a conversation I just had with a client this morning because of her journey with nutrition and why she came to me and what we were working on. You know, she, she ran track in high school and then as she's reevaluating, she's a senior this year and she's like, I don't, it was such a talk. Her relationship with track was toxic because of the issues with nutrition that she was having. 
And we talked about, you know, is there something else you want to go out for? I think I mentioned lacrosse or like the softball team. I'm like, you can still be, you know, or, or maybe it's the singing choir club, you know, it doesn't even have to be sports, but you know, she is athletic and she does love sports, but it's like, it's kind of like that sport in particular is kind of still triggering, you know, some emotions that aren't fully healed yet and might just take time. That's just kind of sharing like how, like, okay, like kind of shifting to lacrosse was like healing for you you know, because you are an athlete and that's such a part of, you know, who you are and what you've been, yeah, it's just such a part of who you are, but maybe getting out into a different environment can sometimes be a healthy shift. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's so much research that athletes who are young that play multiple sports growing up are more likely to be college athletes. So it's, it goes back to this idea that parents are always pushing their kids to specialize so early, but specialization really creates burnout. It creates that toxic relationship. Sometimes it, you know, it just fosters people to fall out of love with their sport. And for me, that was probably the case. It was a lot of things that built up into it, but yeah, now to be able to be a lacrosse coach, I find myself really driven by continuing to be a student of the game and continuing to learn. Like, I don't think I've personally hit my ceiling with being a lacrosse coach yet. Like I have so much more that I want to do and I want to learn and I want to be better for my kids so that they can be better themselves. So it's been really beautiful to to see that. But I also think, you know, it speaks to what you're saying is that we're such multi-talented, diverse people and those skills are so transferable elsewhere. I think sometimes we get stuck in this rut of you know, these skills are only applicable to this one thing. Mm -hmm. But in reality, you can use a lot of the things you learn from your sport and take it elsewhere, whether it's a different sport or really any anywhere, a job, a passion, a hobby. So I'm I'm a big advocate for that. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. I definitely feel like, and a little bit about like my current personal situation, I'm pregnant with baby number two. So I'm like, okay, I'm yeah, it's super exciting, but I'm in the stage of my life where I'm like, I call myself an athlete, but the reality is like right now I am, I'm certainly not competing. Right. But it's like, but what athletics have given me over the years can be applied in, in everything in my career and how I show up for my family in, you know, mentally accepting, you know, everything that this recent life's stage has had and everything. So sometimes it's like, okay, it's about the sport, but actually it's about how this transforms your life or how it can have that potential to transform your life. So I just, yeah, that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about athletics is like, even if I'm not competing at a high level right now, or even my clients, it's like, it's not necessarily about that. It's about what, how it can develop you and the lessons learned, which is why it's so important. I think to continue to encourage girls, all people, but girls and women to to stay in sport. And so as we do face challenges, many of them, including mental challenges, like learning the skills and having resources and and how to cope so that we can stay in sport, if it's the right thing. It's it's not to say it's the wrong thing to end sport. Sometimes that can absolutely be the right thing. I just want to throw that out there. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. I've heard so many people use the mom analogy too of how their sports have helped them become better moms. And I hope to oh, be yeah. a mom one, one day myself. And I think what better place than a sports field to really feel empowered. And then oh, yeah. being a mom is like your body is doing this incredible, amazing thing. No matter how gruesome it might be, it's still beautiful too. And I think yeah. it's a really cool, awesome platform as well for women to you know become a mom and go through that. So it's really cool to hear you say that too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Okay, ladies and gents who love female athlete nutrition, conversation break so I can tell you more about our super exciting new Patreon launch and our fiercely fueled Patreon community. So of course, people who need one-on-one help with their nutrition become clients. Please keep doing that. Reach out if you need one-on-one help because that is irreplaceable. But there are a lot, a lot of people who just want to keep learning, just want to be a part of the right supportive fueling environment, who want to build connections, who would love to ask me a question or have access to me from time to time, but maybe don't necessarily need a whole nutrition program, right? Right. I know this because it's what you've all told me via emails and phone calls over the past few years. So finally, this is what we are offering. A fiercely fueled female athlete community through patreon.com. Go to patreon.com slash female athlete nutrition or download the Patreon app and search female athlete nutrition. For $10 a month, you can be a part of this community. And here's what you get. There's a community board, basically like a group chat. You can post, connect, ask, engage with others, and myself and my assistant, who will also monitor the page and connect and engage. Once a month, I'll drop a tried and true recipe curated specifically for female athletes, something fueling and nourishing. And once a month, I'll have an exclusive Q&A podcast episode answering your questions. So within the community chat, we'll prompt you to submit questions, And I will personally answer them so you do have access to me and my knowledge or expertise on your personal concerns. By the way, this Q&A episode is exclusive to the membership. It will not be on the free podcast on Spotify or Apple, etc. It will only be for Patreon members. So if you want access to me in this bonus episode, become a member. Further, Patreon members will receive 15% off our Female Athlete Nutrition online course and any downloadable products in our online shop, which is always growing. Things including the Redis Recovery Guide, High Iron Fueling Guide, Mini Course, and soon to come Coaches Toolkit and more. Patreon members will have access to other discounts through our affiliate partners and last, of course, merch and swag. So you get all of this, so much to connect learn, engage, bonus episodes, recipes, discounts, all for just $10 a month. Yes, I have a free Instagram. Yes, I have a free Facebook group with free content. But I think we all know what happens with free social media sites. They get bogged down, trolled upon, it gets messy. And you don't get personalization. So with this paid membership, it's really a small but mighty community of people who are invested in the fierce, fit, and fueled mission And again, that closer access to me and what Rise Up Nutrition is offering. So here's another angle I wanna pose to you. Not only is this fiercely fueled community for you, but I also wanna say that this is for the greater good of all female athletes. Again, I cannot tell you how many people say this free podcast has truly changed their life or been a source of much needed information. It warms my heart and literally brings me to tears on multiple occasions. And yet, there are so many athletes who still need help. So many young girls, so many struggling adults. It's not good enough, I'm not done yet. It is my mission to stop disordered eating and help female athletes of the present and future truly fuel their bodies and minds for optimal performance. So by being a member, you truly help keep this mission going so that thousands, maybe someday hundreds of thousands of female athletes can have access to this information and resources and that this information grows, that it's not just me, it's you and our members spreading the mission as well. So this membership is for you, all the perks you get, 
but it's also for your teammate, your sister, your daughter, the future generation. Your membership and or donation makes a difference. So thank you. Patreon.com slash Female Athlete Nutrition. Links in the show notes. So something you mentioned earlier, I don't know how much you want to dive into this, but it was interesting how you mentioned, you know, well, you had experienced difficult or toxic relationship with your coach. But what I thought was interesting about what you said, and it kind of had this like light bulb moment was how it divided the team, right? And I think, because so often we think, oh, this is, and this is maybe one of the stigmas with mental health, like, oh, it's my problem, right? Or it's like, it's a me thing, or it's this two-way relationship between me and my coach, we have a problem. But no, then it's impacting everybody. And then it's the dynamics. And then it's almost like this A side and B side. And then it's like, we're not acting as a team at all. I don't necessarily have a question about that, but that was just this light bulb moment of like, yeah, it's not, it's not always just this like me thing. It affects everybody. I am. I absolutely, I'm sitting here laughing. It's not funny, but (laughs) I'm laughing because this is something I was reflecting on a lot this weekend and with friends and with my parents as well, because one of my college teammates is getting married in April and I'm so excited for her. And uh, she was two years older than me and someone that we saw eye to eye on a lot of things and just a really great person that I kind of fell out of touch with, but I'm excited to celebrate her wedding coming up. And she sent a text to about maybe 15 of us former soccer players that were her teammates at one point, kind of just telling us that, you know, this is who's invited from the team and really excited to see you all and whatnot. And, you know, I'm going through this list of 15 people, some of which I've kept in touch with, most of which, honestly, I have not. And as I'm going through this list, it's kind of in my head, I'm already getting the social anxiety of seeing some some faces. And it's all truly because of this one person, this one coach, this one environment that we all kind of went through and we all had different experiences with. And it's really sad. And I texted someone about it today. It's sad because our views on our college soccer experience are so, so different and that's okay. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's super normal for friends to show up at each other's weddings and for teammates to show up at each other's weddings and be a team, right? But still years later we're yeah. we're not gonna really be that. And yeah. I think that's probably the saddest, the saddest part of it all. And I see my friends at other colleges who, you know, go to weddings or go to big celebrations together. And it's it at least it appears on social media to be much more of that team unity, that that cohesiveness. Yeah. And uh I was just thinking about how that college soccer experience is still robbing us of joy in some ways. But to what you said earlier, yeah, it's everyone's experience is unique and it doesn't mean that one person's is worse or better than, than another's doesn't mean that I'm right. And someone else is wrong. It's, you know, my experience was my own, but I do think it's important to see why some people might have different experiences on a team and try to just understand like where everyone's coming from. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely hope that, you know, with years past with time and growth and maturity, like, you know, maybe things have changed or conversations can be had, or maybe things don't even need to be said anymore. Right. Like I think time itself does not heal, but sometimes it helps, right. Because it gives you the opportunity to, to reflect and grow. But yeah, I think it's just, you know, I think it's just so important to even share that whether it be other high college students like going through it or high schoolers looking to figure out like which college can I go to that's the best fit for me is, you know, there there are these challenges. We have the best hopes of, you know, being on a great team. And 
sounds like your experience, there was, you know, like you said, one person, but sometimes, so I came, I, I did track and field in college, which is generally like a big team. And in high school, they're generally big teams. So there were always clicks, you know, whether it be the sprinters and the distance and the throwers or like there were, there's track was very clicky and it's like, we're all supposed to be one team and it never felt that way. Mm. Yeah. So I think my college, though, I think a totally different situation, but I felt the divide. I never truly, and I hope like if I have teammates listening to this, it's nothing personal, but it's just like, it was just there. It's there. I think maybe like swimming is sometimes a big team. I think it's there in that sport too, just, you know, individual differences. So I kind of love to, to know then with like, so you went through this experience where, you know, definitely affected you mentally and maybe even changed your relationship with the sport. And that kind of prompted you to be, you know, start advocacy work for mental health as was that kind of like the start of it? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm an open book, so I'm happy to talk about any of the above, any direction you want to go, but it's, it's kind of a little two part one. When I was 15, I was a high school sophomore and a girl from my hometown died by suicide and she had been someone that I really looked up to and a lot of the other girls she was about four Mm -hmm. years older than me a lot of the other girls on the soccer team like really raved about her and she was very well liked very well loved great family great friends all of the above right she was someone that kind of quote-unquote had it all and to see her die in such a way was was really eye-opening for me and I've been reflecting a lot about that recently too um because it's been nine years since since she's been gone and since you know I kind of opened my eyes to the reality of the world and broke that Mm -hmm. naivety that, you know, suicide couldn't touch a community like ours. Right. Mm -hmm. So there was that. And then I kind of continued on just interested in the subject, really just, just trying to learn more about how could someone drive themselves to that place. Oh, I know. And I was young and naive. And then I started, you know, having a bit of my own mental health struggles kind of related to a concussion junior year of high school. And it was just kind of the first time that I struggled with school, struggled socially, had a bit of anxiety about mm-hmm. things. But for me, I thought, you know, I was also kind of untouchable to those kind of struggles. So it was eye opening in that sense. And, you know, I started some therapy, I started a little bit of medication. And for all intents and purposes, I was back on track to, you know, quote, unquote, be fine, have be happy, whatever you want to call it. But as we all know, that's not exactly how mental health works. So it, it comes in waves it's it comes ongoing. and it goes mm-hmm. it's it's always a journey yeah and i'd say going to college i was super well prepared again socially i was well prepared academically i was well prepared to live away from home because i had been at boarding school but i was not prepared for kind of the toxicity of soccer and that kind of i'd say started a lot of my of my struggles again mm-hmm. and it kind of manifested in a lot of ways it manifested in just struggles with my self-confidence and then that spiraled into, you know, struggles with social stuff and all mm-hmm. of that. So normal college things, but it was, it was tough. And I'd say yeah. that got me thinking a lot more specifically about the intersection of mental health and sports and how the two relate. So I started doing just a lot of writing about it. I was an English major. I've always really loved writing. I've turned to it often to try to figure out my own head and I ended up doing a school project that originally was just intended to get a grade for the class, but it turned out pretty good. And it was about poetry. (laughs) (laughs) It was about poetry and social media and the intersection of social media and 
sharing our true thoughts, but not really. And it was just a big reflection on all of these things. And that project ended up doing really well and gathered a lot of attention on campus and people started following it because it was a social media account. But again, it was originally just a project. And so it really got me thinking more about how there was a big, big need for this conversation. So that's kind of where I started, I'd say my advocacy work and then was able to link up with Victoria and it's been full steam ahead from there. Yeah. Yeah. You had quite a few like kind of events in life that really kind of pointed you in that direction because they were huge turning points in your life and kind of like these lessons learned. I do want to actually bring attention to your high school friend who died by suicide. Her name is Madison Holleran, right? And I actually, when I learned that you had shared that prior to us hopping on the podcast and I learned that I, there is a a book written that I read a few years ago. So it's called What Made Maddie Run. I did not know her personally. I just knew of the book and I just, I think it's a great book to read. I don't know if you read it. I don't know, but yeah, it's, it's brilliant. I recommend it to everyone I can. And obviously I have some vested interest, but I yeah. actually haven't I haven't read it in years. I should probably revisit it, but I remember being really stunned by one Kate Fagan, the author's just writing and her journalism yeah. and the attention and care she gave to the story. It was not yeah, you know, like an exposé. It was not surface level. It was really beautifully done and she's actually one of my f- personal favorite journalists now just because of that book and because yeah. of subsequent articles she's written. I've read a couple other of her books and her memoirs. Yeah. Cause she's a sports journalist. Yeah. Right. And so she took, she took that angle, which was, I think, honestly, the angle to take because it, you know, suicide, I, I'm not going to speak on something that I, I don't know much about or anything like that. But I think, you know, for most people, we're always left with like, why? Right. And we'll never know all of the reasons why with Maddie, but like sport was a big, reason. And so, yeah, the author was that sport sports journalist who kind of dug into what was going on. And that's you know the work you do advocating for this. And the hidden opponent is like, what are these pressures that athletes are facing? The real, very real pressures that have very real consequences as well. And Kate did a really great job incorporating this idea of social media. And that yeah. was a book written in 2017. So thinking about, you know, that's, that's a while ago now, I know. But, that was before TikTok. <laughs> I know, which is crazy. It was kind of during the rise of some of these things. I mean, I had Instagram and all that probably starting in yeah. 2014. But, you know, it, she just does a really good job capturing things. And I actually have been thinking about revisiting it because I'm interested to see if I still think the social media pieces hold true. But I think even more mm-hmm. so now, they probably are even more so true that social media aspect, because it's more widespread, it's more prevalent. It's, you know, social media is now tied to people's potential money making more and more these days. So there's so much more that we should get Kate Fagan and ask her what she thinks about it. But it's interesting to think about. You know what, I'm gonna write this down as a future podcast guest. And yeah, probably for the work you do too. Yeah, speaking of social media, and and again, this is like, a huge topic. I think everybody agrees like, oh my gosh, like the, there are so many harms of social media. And yet I like, how can we live without it at this point? You know, part of the work of the hidden opponent is through social media. You know, Victoria did that TED talk that spread through social media. So like, there's a lot of good work being done there. I'm on social media for work and spreading my message. And yet like, it's still, the, and that piece you pr- brought up to about how now 
high school and wait, is it just college athletes or high school and college athletes that can make an income off of their work? But um, you're just can make an income. I think so it's all of the above. I'm, I'm all not of even, the above. Okay. I'm not an even fully an expert on it. It has my head yeah. spinning. All of it has my head spinning. Yeah. But you can sign. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We've got college athletes now making literally six and seven figures basically because of their social media fame. Correct. And in some ways it's like, well, that's cool that college athletes can get paid because they are like putting in so many, so much hard work and they excel at something. But then it's like, well, what about the college athlete who doesn't want to be on social media or, you know, just isn't comfortable in front of the camera or doesn't like TikTok? It's like, man, I, I was thinking about that recently with some news articles that came out recently. And I'm like, so the female athletes who like the selfies are getting paid basically. And the female athletes who don't. Yeah, kind of art. That kind of sucks. Yeah, I definitely don't have all the answers on this one, and I'm still mm-hmm. spinning my own wheels as to how mm-hmm. I personally feel about it all. But to bring it back to the opponent, it is it is a big part of what yeah. we do, right? That's a huge part of how we spread our message. We're at you know over fifty thousand followers on Instagram, and then you add in other social media accounts that we have, and you know we have a huge reach. But at the same time, we're kind of preaching to these kids that social media is not end all be all. It's not always true. It's not always kind. It's not always positive for your, you know, spirit, whatever it is. So we're we can't necessarily say, you know, no social media. Like I don't mm-hmm. think that's that's realistic at this point in in time. And I know there are parents out there who still kind of believe that, but I think it's how do we teach our kids how to use it properly, how to use it healthily, how to have those boundaries and have the self-management to know when enough is enough or know how to curate a feed that makes them feel good about themselves or makes them feel neutral even. But, you know, those are all things. Authentic. Yeah. yeah. There are conversations that we have at the opponent. There are conversations I have at school with with educators. And Mm -hmm. again, it's kind of this newer field where a lot of people turn to teachers and people my age to answer the questions. And I don't know if I have them all either, but we're working on it. Well, I think you have more answers than the generation before us that didn't grow up with social media, right? Like, you know, you're, you're part of it too, which is huge. Yeah. And I think too, like your role, like, again, you're, you're somebody who experienced things personally, you're an athlete yourself, you know, for the most part, social media was some part of your life, although it keeps changing, like, changes so fast. And then now you get to influence others through the hidden opponent and through being a coach and a teacher, right? So that next generation of people. So I don't know if this is like way too broad of a question, but I'm going to go for it. Like, I, I don't know if you've, you've thought about it, but just of like every day, whether it's every day or like the beginning of a season, like what are some of your like biggest like mental health tips or messages that like you like to preach to whether it be your students or your athletes of like how to kind of stay on top of, of your mental game. Mm, that's a great one. Is that too broad? No, it's, it's a good one. And I, and I get asked it a lot and I, I answer it differently in different seasons, yeah. but it's almost like I, your philosophy, you know, sure. what's your philosophy around this? I mean, I think in general, it's all about teaching kids how to unlock parts of themselves and how to use their brains for good and use it to help them. Right the brain's super powerful. It can, it can tell you 
lies that can be used for good or lies that can be used to break you down. So, you know, if you trick yourself into thinking that, you know, you're pumped up and you're ready to go for this game, your, your body will, will follow through. So the brain is, is so powerful. Conversely, if you trick yourself into thinking that you're not going to have a great game, your body will also follow through. So it's, it's all about that, that mind body connection. And, and I like to put kind of spirit in there too, but with our kids, you know, it's, Yes, I teach them English and I teach them how to read books and stuff, but I, I, I love teaching them things about how to self-reflect, how to really do that internal check with yourself and check in with, with all the pieces of you, you know, really think deeply about how you can help yourself. I like to teach them how to set goals and how to set tangible goals that you can put in increments and achieve or, or not. And what happens when you don't, like, how can you react to that? And I think in general, like same things apply to mental health, right? It's learning how to figure out yourself, have that relationship with yourself. I always say you spend the most time in your lifetime with yourself, with your own thoughts, with your own brain, right? So you got to figure out how to one, either like it or two, like use it to your advantage or three, you know, how to, how to just unlock the pieces of you that are not necessarily as intuitive. I'm kind of, I'm kind of rambling here, but I love it. It's good. (laughs) For, for young people, we think about their development and we think about you know, social skills, we think about athletic skills, we think about what they're learning. But I do a lot of just teaching them how to get in tune and in touch with themselves. And I think that's, that's huge for everything. It's huge for it's huge for any person's growth, you can't fully grow without those pieces. And actually, my husband and I were having a conversation last night, I don't know how we got to it. But again, going back to the social media, we were we were actually talking last night about how technology and social media has just, it makes us out of touch with ourselves and one another. Right. And so what you're saying is like, the biggest thing is like how to be in touch with yourself, how to know yourself, how to deal with your own thoughts, because you can scroll on your phone for an hour and have no clue what just (laughs) happened, right? Like you're not in touch with yourself at all and nor another real human being. You're not having an authentic conversation or a moment. You're not learning our brain isn't firing. So I think just that message of like how to spend time with yourself, how do you get to know yourself and hopefully like yourself, even if it's not like just maybe understand or respect or, mm-hmm. you know, appreciate is I think a huge part of, you know, fostering healthy relationship with yourself. And that's what creates, you know, good mental health. Yeah. So. And I think you have to, you have to know, you have to identify the problem or identify you know, the areas of growth before you can actually get there, right? Before you can actually go ask for help, before you can, you know, set the goal that you want to reach. And I think we often just skip to those parts, but we don't necessarily know how we can get there because we don't Mm -hmm. have the pieces to get there, you know? So I see therapy as like another place, you know, a bunch of mental health advocates say, it's okay to be not be okay. Just ask for help, right? That's great. But you have to figure out how to identify when I'm not doing well. And that's all goes back to being in tune with yourself, knowing yourself, knowing your habits, knowing your patterns, being able to realize when things are off kilter. And uh, then you can reach out for therapy or reach out for whatever coping mechanism that's a healthy one that you need. And I see those as kind of realigning, recalibrating, getting you back, back to center and giving you the space or the time to, again, be with yourself, sit with yourself, whether it's with a journal or with a trusted friend where you can just voice things and get someone's opinion. Right. But again, it, it, it's all back to that relationship with the self. So especially for teenagers who are growing and developing in so many ways, physio- physiologically and 
and mentally, it's it's really powerful to see them kind of yeah. discover themselves and find ways to help themselves and be just healthy humans. Hey fans, I hope you are enjoying this conversation so far and we'll be back to it in just a moment. But first, I want to pause and let you know that this episode is brought to you by the Female Athlete System of Transformation, aka the Fast Track to Overcome Disordered Eating and Use Food as Fuel to Perform at Your Highest Level. The Female Athlete System of Transformation is my unique program and proven systems to guide female athletes to understanding and implementing the proper nutrition for their sport, life, and health. Myself and my team of registered sports dietitians work one-on-one with clients to address their unique needs and counsel them through the nutritional and behavioral changes needed. Many female athletes who resonate with disordered eating, mental guilt around food and body, relative energy deficiency in sport or female athlete triad, amenorrhea, repeat injuries due to negligent nutrition, or frankly, just a lack of knowledge and understanding on their fueling needs have seen incredible success in the fast track. After years of working as a sports RD, I've compiled the most effective ways for female athletes to learn nutrition, be supported, be challenged, and ultimately find their success with fueling as fast as possible. So don't wait another day. Get to your goals faster by joining the Female Athlete System of Transformation. Look in the show notes or head to the website to book a free call and learn more. Okay, now let's get you back to the conversation. Enjoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my brain is like connecting the dots from what you just said and like our earlier conversation when we weren't even recording, but you know, you've mentioned a couple of times now, like, you know, really taking action and like setting goals and tangible results. And then the phrase that you just said of it's okay to not be okay. I agree. It it is. But what you just said is one, we have to identify when we're not okay. And I think to add on to that too, we have to strive to be okay. Like, yeah, it's okay not to be okay, but you don't want to just accept that. Like you need to strive for something better. You deserve better. Strive for something higher because you actually can achieve it if you give yourself that opportunity. And so I think phrases like that, like they do help because it normalizes that it is okay to not be okay. But I don't ever want people to get stuck there and just say, I'm just not okay, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Uh, you nailed it. Yeah. And so, and I think that is exactly, again, when we were off air and I was like, darn it, we need to hit record (laughs) is what you and I were talking about is like, I don't just want to talk about this stuff. You know, I want to make a change. And in your field, it's with mental health. It's how do we actually make a change? How do we actually make sure that anxiety and depression, you know, rates start reducing? How do we actually get people thinking more positively? How do we actually prevent a suicide from happening? Real tangible results. And like in my field of nutrition, it's how do we actually get people fueled better? How do we actually get people not scared of food and having, being able to, you know, fuel their bodies and perform great? It's not just saying like, nutrition's important. It's like, okay, so then do it. Yeah. You know, it's those real tangibles. And I think that's what, you you know, you're obviously smiling back at me. You're like, yeah, I got the, like, that's what matters. I think you brought it around perfectly in a way that makes a ton of sense. And I think, you know, there's so many incredible movements and there's so many people doing this kind of work, but 
those tangibles are so important. And to be completely honest, an opponent originally was kind of just founded as a story sharing platform. And sharing stories, I do believe, is the center of what makes us human and, and allows us to experience what others experience and kind of understand each other, grow in our empathy, all of that. I think it's so, so important. It makes us feel less alone. It it makes us see diverse perspectives. But, you know, I'm so glad that the opponent is more than that now. And story sharing, I should say too, is, is one of my favorite parts of the whole thing. Because I'm, again, I'm an English major. I love writing. I love reading. I love all, all things creative like that. But, you know, again, like when Victoria kind of brought me on is when she said, you know, I think we need to do more. We need to create more out of this. So how can we create support groups? How can we create educational content? How can we create ambassadorship programs? And those pieces are are hugely important as well. Those are the steps that I think can go way further than just a social media account that shares stories, right? So for example, we have our ambassadorship program and, and I see that as a huge cornerstone of our, our foundation because it means a lot more when you have someone in your in your locker room who is a proclaimed advocate of this work, is trained in warning signs, is trained in active listening, is, you know, posting on their own personal social media about about these messages, is maybe creating events on campus to address problems or advocating to the administration as to why they need X, Y, and Z resource. I think those can go way further than, you know, my reach behind a computer screen or even Victoria's reach, which, you know, she has like millions of followers, but still like she's just one person behind a computer screen. It means a lot to see someone live it, live it in their daily lives Mm -hmm. and live that advocacy work. So that's maybe one of the most, most important pieces of, of what we're doing. And I would love to see more people kind of jump on that train of not just talking about it, but living it and taking that action for for themselves and for others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, it's so awesome too, because I don't even know if I told you this, but we were, myself and Ruby, my podcast manager were, you know, figuring out brainstorming who we want for guests and stuff. And then we, we kind of mm-hmm. were like hidden opponent. And I think, I, I don't know if we did both at the same time, but we were able to get Arla Davis, who is a, a campus Campus coordinator? Is that her title? Campus captain. And Arla's captain. Arla's awesome. I'm so glad you were able to reach her. Yeah. So I'm actually at this point in time, not sure which episode is airing first, but I did. So it was so awesome because it's like, okay, I'm talking to you who like really started to create the change. It's okay. Storytelling's awesome and helpful, but like we actually need to put the people and resources in place. And then I got to talk to Arla, who is doing that you know she's learning how to be an active listener and then she's being that person on campus for all the other athletes around her and she's being that resource so like it's so cool to hear you talk about it now and to have just had that conversation with her and like see like oh yeah I see it happening the real change is there Arla is a prime example of of what a student can really do when given the time and space and the resources and the training and the education and Oh, I'm so glad you got to talk to her. Actually, I re- remember she reached out to tell me she was excited for your chat and I totally forgot about it until you just yeah. said that. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I know we'll probably space the episodes apart just to like have diversity, but but my conversation with her was totally different than my conversation with you still on a, a super important topic. But um, yeah, I just, I think it's really cool. I think your role in the hidden opponent of really creating, creating the change is, is awesome because we've had this movement over the last few years, for sure, five, 10 years, maybe 
of like, okay, mental health is important. Mental health is important. And that's awesome that we've normalized that conversation more, but now it's, what do we do about it? And that's exactly what we are doing. So I love that for sure. Yeah. Well, this has been such an awesome conversation and I don't know, anything else you want to add to it? (laughs) I feel like I have so much that I can say, but we did a great job. Yeah. Well, I do end every podcast with the same questions for all of my guests. So we can move on to that. Perfect. Let's do it. (laughs) Okay. If you could eat one food every single day for the rest of your life and never be sick of it, what would it be? Whoa, that was a great question. I don't know why I came to this, but for me, food is so tied to family and feelings and like culture and all those pieces, which I think is part of the beauty of food too. And I'm sure you talk about this with your clients as well. But for me, something that just came to mind was like probably like my grandma or my mom's lamb and orza, which is a Greek Mm. classic dish that we do for holidays and whatnot. But when I go home, I get that a lot. And it just, it just feels like family. It feels like home. So something like that. Yeah. I love that. It sounds delicious. And yeah, I mean, I could keep talking for hours about like the the importance of food having meaning or memories or family or culture. It just makes that eating experience so much more enjoyable. Yeah, that's what that's what food's got to be all about. And I know it's fuel and I know it's science and all that too. But mm-hmm. I think for me, the best part of food is is what it can bring to you and like the people around you. Uh, my parents actually owned a restaurant for a really long time. And We always used to say uh, food is love. Yeah. And it was called Primo Amore, which is first love. And my my parents dated each other. They were like each other's first loves, whatever. Mm. And then they they (laughs) broke up. They broke up for a million years and then got back together and had kids. So it it was all very meaningful. But for us, food is both fuel and my mom's actually a health consultant and whatnot, too. But we also see it Mm -hmm. as just an important part of family and being being us. So. Oh, I love that story. Thank you for sharing. And I also, and I'm sure I've mentioned this like on other podcasts too, but the, the thing about how like, yeah, food is fuel and food is science, but also like, that's kind of like the newer role of food, right? Like throughout all of human history, food has been a way of coming together. Food has been a way of community, of sharing. Yes, survival as well. But like, um, I had this conversation with a client recently too of like the, the fact that it's like, it's biological for us to share food. Mm. Like we're not supposed to necessarily like eat alone, although I certainly do in my life, but like the importance, like thinking back to human history of like, even going to like hunter and gatherer days, um, which is like going way back. But like, if somebody were to, you know, kill a, a deer, like one person can't eat an entire deer themselves. They're going to share it. Yeah. And it's like innate in us to, to share food. And then it brings us together. And then going back to your love of storytelling, like that's how stories are always yeah. told around a meal, right? Like, and I'm so going on a tangent, but it's just like the importance of food to be, because going back to the conversation of mental health, like food is a part of good mental health. I really do think whether it be sharing the love, sharing the memory, being with community and people like it's, it's such a staple to that. Absolutely. And yeah. So, and (laughs) I'll just end it with, you know, my family and I, and my, my mom and my sister in particular, and I talk a lot about mind, body, gut, and all those connections, which Mm -hmm. could be a whole nother episode, but 
we really believe in a lot of that, but also the enjoyment of it and, you know, the sweet stuff once in a while too and all that jazz. Yeah. Oh yeah. The mind gut too. Like I always tell people, you know, it's called the enteric nervous system. It's a whole nervous system of like how your, your mental state affects your nervous system, which affects your GI. We've got all these nerves innovating your GI system based off of your mental state. So it's a real, like, you know, again, people who are so into the science to actually recognize the science proves that your mental state affects your gut health and your digestion and your absorption anyways. So, okay. These are supposed to be rapid fire questions and they're totally not right now, but next question, what's your favorite sport to participate in? Oh, that's a great one. Currently I'm going to, I'm going to throw out a curveball, but currently I'm playing flag football with my friends and yeah. You know, if if you were to say, you know, I played every sport in the world, but for me to play flag football with my friends on Saturdays and then go to the bar after is is the best and just watch football yeah. on a Saturday. That's that's my new athletic journey. And it's it's <laughs> funny and it's it's weird sometimes. And it makes me feel like a weirdo when I'm out of breath after a two minute jog, but, uh, it's, that's my new thing. And I'm, I'm proud member of my, my flag football team. Yeah. No, it sounds wicked fun. It sounds like an awesome Saturday. And how about as a spectator to watch, what's your favorite sport to watch? Another great question. I'll go with ice hockey right now because it feels like ice hockey season and got to root for my Tampa Bay lightning coming up. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, well, you're a fan of the lightning, even though you love hockey, you're from the Northeast. So it makes sense. Yeah. All right. And then last question, if there's a female athlete out there that you want to give a shout out to, whether someone in your personal life or someone more well-known for just being an inspiration and a role model to other female athletes, who would it be and why? Wow. That is such a great question and such a hard one. I know there's so many people. I just listened to a podcast episode by someone named Michelle Tumalo, who was a former lacrosse player, played for Team USA, is now coaching at Army Women's Lacrosse. And she's someone that I really looked up to when I was in college for a lot of reasons. She just brought her authenticity and her creativity to the field and was able to be her full self on her team. And I actually had the pleasure of getting to meet her through the hidden opponent and become friends with her. And I think that's one of the coolest parts of THO is that it's given me the opportunity to meet people that I've looked up to and been fangirls of uh, on social media and now just be able to see them as friends, which is, which is incredible. So yeah. I'll give one to Toomey, but also just to, to all the women out there who are fighting the good fight, whatever that means for them and just standing up for themselves and for others. I think it's really inspiring to see women in power and women in sport doing their thing and just being themselves and bringing their best selves to not just their sport, but to the world and to others. So yeah, I, I meet so many incredible, inspiring people almost every day through the Hidden Opponent. So that's, that's yeah. been such a blessing to be part of this community and to help lead it as well. Yeah, that's awesome. So shout out to Michelle Tumalo for being a role model to so many others. For sure. Thank you so much, Leanne. It was just a pleasure talking to you and thank you for sharing all of this knowledge and advice to our listeners. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Lindsay. Love to hop on again sometime. Thanks for tuning in. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. This is your last reminder of the day. Join our Patreon, patreon.com slash female athlete nutrition. We have two membership options. 
a kind donation of just $1 per month to help spread the mission of female athlete nutrition. And the next, a membership, $10 a month, where we give you perks, including exclusive bonus episodes, ability to ask me questions and get answers, community, recipes, discounts, and more. Don't miss this opportunity to be a part of something special, something needed, something that makes a difference for yourself and the future of female athletics. There's no deadline to join. However, now through March 2nd, we will be sending our first founding members a special little gift and our first bonus episode will release in March. So let's get this fiercely fueled community started strong. Patreon.com slash female athlete nutrition. Check out the show notes and see you next time.